1: Welcome to Out of the Blue on Sunday, the 12th of March, this long weekend. Hope you're enjoying your Labor Day. Um, Today in the studio, it's Matt, myself, Donna, and Farm, and we are talking to Natalie Davey from The Pelican, um, and she's gonna share with us all about the Two Bays program um, and everything that's gone on on her fabulous catamaran so far this summer. You're tuned to 855 AM 3CR, and we'll be back right after this cut. Welcome back to 3CR. You are tuned to 855 AM um, in the studio today. We have Natalie Davy, who is the um, fabulous skipper. Are you a skipper? No, coordinator. <laughs> coordinator of the uh, Two Bays program with the Pelican. Um, Natalie, can you just give us a bit of a rundown? Welcome first, um, and Thank give you. us a bit of a rundown on what the Pelican is and what the Two Bays program kind of aims to achieve.
2: Uh, well, that's a mouthful, just because <laughs> we have been doing the program in Port Phillip and Western Ports the last eleven years. Uh, we've got one more day to go of the two thousand and seventeen program, but um, we many many years ago um, a very you know small group of people got together to build Pelican One here in Docklands and. When we finished that process, it took us about six years. Um, we really wanted to do something to um, affect the health and uh, really care for our local waterways with the vessel that we built. Um, and so the idea was to develop a partnership program in Port Phillip and Western Port, connecting both bays as well as a lot of people don't know a lot about western port though they may know a little bit about port Phillip bay Um, and sail around with different people uh, connecting them to the coast and also doing some good science teaching a little bit about ocean literacy uh, and working with very different partners as well Um, it's a it is a very broad program that's had quite a lot of different ideas about you know what what we wanted to do so there wasn't a singular aim except possibly to connect people a lot more closely to their local bays and also to look at how they can help impact on or you know not impact on the health actually help the health of, of both our bays here in Melbourne.
1: Cool and over those 11 years I guess what are some of those key I guess, threats that you've seen and have they changed over those 11 years?
2: Well, one of the partners um, has been, that whole time, has been EPA Victoria. And with them, we helped develop on board a continuous water quality monitoring um, unit. And that, that did help us create maps every year of the water quality, as we'd say, pretty much all around port phillip and around western port um so that that has given us a, a changing portrait of the water quality of both bays um and of course during a pretty major part of the program we were doing it through the drought so that's uh port phillip was going through a um the major impacts from the drought mainly making the bays hypersaline or very very salty Um, but also some of the work we were doing with the water quality was uh, mapping across areas where uh, people didn't often go so we were were able to pick up issues uh, occasionally around the outfalls of, of rivers or Werribee or the Gunamata outfall, which pointed to uh, problems that were being created by various things that we were pouring into the bay at different times. Um, and the other area has been working with Parks Victoria looking at the issues around marine pests. So I would say um, on the marine pest side as well, there's quite a few ongoing threats, but also Pretty interesting um, attempts to control those threats as well. So, so yes, I would say on balance, what have we seen? We've seen, you know, uh, uh, an incredible biodiversity under the water, which still survives with a, you know, very big city sitting on on top of Port Phillip, and also expanding across through Cardinia into Western Port. So. Um, yeah, I, I I think we'd have to go into detail on various questions to look at what's good and what's bad. But there is a mix of good and and some very bad. So yeah, I would say from that a, 11 years.
3: Mm. There's definitely plenty happening in the bay, both good and bad. That's for sure. Um, well, one of hmm. the really positive things that I I, I saw um, you guys doing on the pelican i've been lucky enough to sail with you uh, and the crew several times uh, which has always been great fun and a highlight of my year i must say (laughs) (laughs) and
1: i'm really disappointed i didn't get out this year (laughs) oh
3: boo we have to get you on next time um so nat one of the uh, The one of the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, One of the uh, flagship programs... We should be doing this out there anyway. Let's... Oh, yeah. Well, that's a good idea for next time. <laughs> Lock us in for... <laughs> All right, we'll be yeah, back in 18. a few moments. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um,
3: so, Nat, uh, one of the flagship programs that you've been running on board um, with help of several different educators is the Ocean Literacy Program. Could you tell us yeah. a little bit more about that? Who do you work with and, and what's the aim of the program?
2: Uh, well, that that program started probably about, in, in, in a very organized way, about six or seven years ago with support from the Catholic Education Department, and we had the head of um, their science education um, come on board and suggest working a little bit more closely with some of the primary schools that are based around the bays um, and one of the things the Catholic department was uh, education departments was doing was pinpointing kids that may not have direct access nor experience nor knowledge of their waterways. So we um, so really you mean pinpointed in what terms certain schools to work with.
3: In, in what um, terms sorry. wouldn't they have access to the waterways?
2: Yeah, they're like it, it, particularly some of the schools we've worked with the last three years that are in the west of Melbourne, um, a lot of the kids are new arrivals to Australia where their cultures may not connect them so much to the bay, or they're afraid of the water, or they just don't have the water skills. Yeah. Um, and also just being a bit inland is some people just don't connect with their local waterways so using the pelican as a as a tool to get them out and um connecting with the water and also teaching them different ways of understanding and connecting with their local environment um has been a very interesting process with those schools yeah and, and the um, uh, the program itself the, sorry, sorry? The,
3: the program itself, um, uh, who, because I know you work with different educators and you've developed that sort well, of thing main, together. Well, the
2: main, the central key, the person I've worked with the last 10 years, as we've developed the programs with the other schools as well, has been with Harry Bridal from Nautilus Education. And um, he's really been my marine mentor um, in this area because, um, I wasn't trained as a marine educator so the programs um, have been developed in connection with Harry and often with his wife Jane and also with the other educators that come on board to feed into the program by being either like the scientists for the day like, like yourself um, who came on board um, or with a, we also work closely with Parks Fix so they can meet um, marine park rangers or also local community people that have a good knowledge of the bays often come on board and share their knowledge, Um, which I have to say is a key feature of the program in that it really is a knowledge-sharing program. So whether it's educators sharing ocean literacy knowledge with kids that live around the bays or be it, um, as uh, other days, where we'll have uh, parks scientists or marine biologists sharing knowledge about water quality with newly elected councillors, um, albeit... Yeah, you and, know, and you also have well. the,
3: um, the Indigenous connections, do you, don't you? Because you have a lot of um, local Aboriginal elders and uh, community members on board on your many trips, not just in Port Phillip Bay, but uh, up north as well.
2: Well, I'd say that's been one of the great privileges of developing the program from my perspective has been that that the connections made with uh, local Indigenous groups around the bay and particularly uh, we've had a lot of um, input from Auntie Carolyn Briggs or Awed Carolyn Briggs from the Boonwurrung side but also a lot of Wurundjeri and Wathaurong uh, both input and also... They've used the boat quite a lot as a platform for travelling around the bay and getting access to their sea country or helping with mapping particular sites or also connecting Kuri kids with their both culture and also um, scientific connections to the bay in terms of the deep time knowledge. So, yeah, they've, 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 also the work we've done with those elders has informed a lot of the way we approach the teaching um, of the knowledge of Port Phillip and Western Port. So, yeah, that have been a fundamental kind of cornerstone of the way um, we've developed the program, really.
1: That's interesting because it's not just about community connection, I guess, for inland schools, as you've mentioned, like with the Catholic Education Office program, but also reconnection for Indigenous um kids who are living in yeah. in and around Melbourne, I think that's really powerful because a lot of that kind of culture is either lost or not really promoted or uh, it's hard to get in touch with really. I think that's a really powerful thing to do. Mm. Oh, in yeah, general no, we've, it's, had, we've had
2: quite yeah. a good support as well through councils uh, like the Kingston City Council that has supported the last I think eight years we've been taking out the Kingston Koori mob who are Aboriginal students from often all over Australia, not just uh, who come from Victoria or who are studying um, locally in Kingston schools. So, um, and the other side of it is not just connecting the Koori students, but often it's the Koori students that invite also other students on board. So you get, um, you know, their friends learning about the, the time knowledge and the, Cultural connections to the bay, and um, and I found that it's quite a lovely way. In terms of knowledge sharing, it's it's also not just the Koori kids or Aboriginal kids learning about their own culture and connections to the bay or to um, or their family connections. Because often, our um, weed Carolyn is helping some young people who don't have those connections find pathways to make family connections.
1: It's so inclusive. But
2: Yeah, so so it works mm. on lots of different levels, which has been incredibly um, wonderful to to observe and also be part of.
1: Mm -hmm. That sounds amazing. Um, I've got a question about some of the programs that you've... or some of the days and events that you've run this year. Have there been any key themes that have come up um, over the last few months that you've been out this summer?
2: Um... We have yet to look at the, you know, in terms of the science side, I can't give a full, I mean, Farm can probably talk a little bit about the trawls that were done from Pelican in terms of looking at surface issues with plastics and microplastics. Um, Water quality, I think, has been an interesting and... I think, quite thorny issue in Port Phillip Bay this summer.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you at the beach <laughs> <laughs> I have to say
2: from my own experience, it's the first time living through a summer in this 11-year period that I've seen so many beaches affected on so many occasions hmm. by the problems of still sewerage and possibly dog, whatever it is, that's causing the E. coli uh, potential outbreak. So, you know, there's been a lot of um, fair reports on beaches, which doesn't generally mean you should jump in. (laughs) It doesn't last forever, as as we are very fortunate to have a bay that flushes. Hmm. But I was quite disturbed still that that is still such a big issue with our waterways and catchments. Yeah, I was surprised as well, I must
3: Mm -hmm. say. I signed up to the uh, EPA's um, SMS service, which was uh, uh, an experiment they're running at the moment, a pilot, and it's actually pretty brutal getting SMSs saying like thirty yeah. beaches are closed. Do not touch the water. <laughs> it yeah. feels like
0: it feels like it's something you should be reading about in history that you know this used to be the way that mm. the waterways were treated, but you know, yeah. Yes, I, you know.
2: I was. So I think one cause of it maybe, and again, this is totally. I'm not a scientist, but. We were When we're getting downpours, we're getting, and this is, will be a climate change issue, we get quite big downpours and we didn't get a lot of rain, but when we got rain we get quite a lot yeah. and that really flushes mm-hmm. the problematic issues that still exist in our catchments straight out into the bay. So we've still got septics that are leaking, we've still got... Um, you know, we've still got sewage issues yeah. that mean that the um, bay becomes contaminated rather mm-hmm. quickly.
1: Yeah, it's quite concentrated. Um, yeah. It'll, it'll
2: be very so that's, interesting that's to see... That's an infrastructure issue. I, I can't really it'll, comment on Yeah, that.
3: it'll be really interesting to see uh, what sort of projects will be funded under the uh, Port Phillip Bay Fund. So those applications are closed now, but they had a, a section that was specifically about pathogens in the water, uh, E. coli yeah. and things like that, uh, that they would really, really like to see uh, projects dealing with that. So it'll be very interesting to see um, what comes out of that and what sort of projects uh, will be run mm. um, in and the very th- near future.
2: And and I think a, a, a positive outcome that's come from the recent re- review of uh, the EPA that, that um, has one of the recommendations that the government has said they will follow is to have EPA officers, an officer in every council. Yeah. Um, and I think that will help around enforcement and also finding out where these issues are. And hopefully fixing some of those problems.
1: Yeah. And the Port Phillip um, Bay Environmental Management Plan has a big focus on well, all of the things I think we talked about today. Yeah. Um, water quality, litter, pests, a number of other things. Connection as well. Yeah. Which is great.
3: Natalie, uh, a personal question. Um, the yeah. Two Bays Ooh. program is <laughs> this uh, is a first is round really of the uh, the, this this year's Two Bays program is, is nearly finished for uh, for our end of uh, of Australia. um- yeah. w- Were there any particular days in the last few weeks that have really stood out for you? Like, what have you enjoyed the most about running this program this year in Port Phillip Bay and Western Port Bay?
2: Oh, that's so hard. There's you can so name many. more than one. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got to pick oh, a favourite. It's really hard. It's really hard because... Um, no, that's very hard because there are so many moments, and I would say some of the school work has to be. I'm I'm getting a, a real uh, a sense that we're actually doing something um, to promote the connections, and I'm seeing the results this year already. Um, in the sense that we've had kids on board that haven't really snorkelled or connected to the water and I'm getting feedback from their coordinator who meets the parents the next week. So so I'm I'm hearing stories from events that happened just now a week ago and the feedback is that over the weekend these kids were dragging their Parents down to jawbone to snorkel.
1: Awesome!
3: Oh, fantastic! That's you know, being an environmental educator myself, that is the result that we're always mm. after. That that trickle down effect of you know, not just teaching the kids about about connection and marine life, but that that trickles down into their community with their families and generating some kind of action that's um, that's positive. Yeah, that's that's, that's right. amazing. And,
2: and so, and it just adds the, the the literally the ripples of education um, move out into the into the broader community and um, i I just find that very gratifying to hear that happening um, i'm curious i'm curious to hear uh, about um, i've had some very good feedback through parks victoria on our community citizen science days that a lot of the People that then come on, become involved for one day on Pelican and go out and visit, for example, Mud Islands. And then I'd have to say it's the visit to the islands, possibly, as I'm saying it, that are my (laughs) favorite moments because we're getting um, some time in some of the most beautiful places in both Port Phillip and Western Port. Yeah, it
3: is pretty special. And just for the listeners, Mud Islands are not islands made of mud. They are actually, That's actually a really beautiful place with beaches and shrubs and lots and lots of bird life and just incredible shells on the beach. I remember going there a few years back with you guys and um, yeah, just beautiful, huge shells of, of marine creatures that I didn't even know lived in the bay. It's amazing. They're,
2: they're very magical places and, and the beauty of them is, is not only for us to enjoy and savour and become even more um determined to to look after them it is that the people that come out then go back and they join the friends of mud islands or they join uh local groups that are are caring for the environment and it's not just a fuzzy wuzzy feel good thing the the research shows that the more the community connects with these environments and particularly like marine parks the better they are protected so and it's not just so it's the hands-on, that pe- more people are getting involved, but also people are looking to their politicians and their local councils and saying, hey, you know, this I'm just discovering all this stuff about my blue backyard and I've learned, you know, one, how the catchment and what we're doing, it affects it, but also um, they want, you know, it is only through those sort of pressures that organisations like the EPA and Parks Victoria are funded as they need to be to also help care for it and to do the good science for us to understand them because uh, one of the big messages that Harry Bridal shares and is one of the principles of ocean literacy is that the oceans are largely unexplored and we require a lot of efforts to understand them and particularly as it's the oceans that are doing the biggest heavy weight lifting with the climate change issues that confront us. Uh, It's also... Um, you know, we need people to push their politicians to do that. And you can see, I'm going to mention Trump here, <laughs> in Trump's America, you That's know, when you lose those protections, <laughs> as he's trying to do with the EPA, you can pull back, you know, people forget that all these conditions are hard fought for in the environment, to care for it, mm-hmm. and it takes everyone to be, you know, as alert as possible, and as active as possible in many ways. It's not to sit and you know not care about it so yeah so i don't know Uh, that's a very long-winded response (laughs) no it's great but i'll leave on the beauty that we have the the incredible beauty under you know i get i get to put my head underwater with the kids and i get to walk on these islands and think this is amazing we've got this extraordinary place here and um So, you know, I feel privileged to be able to be part of it and connect to it myself but share it with all, you know, the knowledge holders um, of this community as well so, yeah, I so, think a uh, thank yeah. you
3: is, uh, is in place as well for you know you guys uh, for dreaming up this project and this program and dreaming up the, the the pelican and you know designing the research vessel and getting the funding every single year and putting in the effort mm. so this can happen. Because it is yeah, a very, very unique. So,
2: anyone listening, please start building your own pelicans. <laughs> yeah, that's right, <laughs> um, Natalie. More.
3: If uh, people want to get involved or they want to know more, where can they go on the internet?
2: Um, if they look on our website, um, they'll, there's on the if you just Google either Pelican One or Saltwater Projects, mm-hmm. you'll find us and you'll find my email or the skipper's. Um, and you can see a bit more about our story. And if you have any questions, ideas, you know, the, the boat is always open for future projects, though she is just about to set sail for Tasmania.
3: Oh, the next um, adventure.
2: So, yes, we're, and, and, and any, any thoughts and ideas. But I really encourage other people to also get involved in their, in their own way with their own waterways and, and learning how to care for them absolutely right.
3: well we will be posting links to your websites on our facebook page so everyone listening stay tuned it will be on there shortly uh natalie thank you so much for um for calling in and having a chat with us um it's a little bit hard to really convey the magic of you know what is happening on the bay and and um uh, being out there with you guys. Fingers. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, So I want to thank you very much and please give my highest uh, regards and hello to the crew of the Pelican One who always takes such good care of us when we are on there. So thank you very much,
0: Nat.
2: I will do. Thanks for having me on and thanks for allowing me to share the program with you guys.
0: As people in Australia in the Pacific have borne the brunt of nuclear testing and this was not done unconsciously. We found documents in the British archives saying that yes there is a certain hazards but only to primitive peoples, those that don't wear clothes and don't wash unlike us British. So the sort of racism inherent in this whole operation was known and understood from the beginning that these were the casualties of a larger imperial policy and that they were able to bear the brunt because there were very small populations and didn't have much political voice. And as we fast forward to today, we see that same thing.
2: 3CR, keeping you informed about Australia's nuclear past and present. At such a time, it's important to have a voice like 3CR. Steady, constant, sane and committed to a nuclear-free Australia.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Blue this Sunday. Uh, Next up is Sally with Out of the Pan. followed by...